start by thinking about something tasty think about your favorite food and as you think about your favorite food does it cause you to salivate is it appetizing to you do you desire it now think about how it smells you know think about what it's like to take that first bite and how good it is did your biology change now think about something arousing, perhaps, you know, something that gets you going, an image, a person, a feeling, a place. Did you feel something? Did your biology change? Now think about something stressful. Think about, you know, the, the worst day at work. Think about the fight that you just can't get over. Think about a problem with your kid or your parent or whatever it may be. Think about stress and what really screws you up and the things you don't want to think about. And I'm sorry to bring this to you, but it's important in this exercise. Did your biology change? Did you stiffen up? Did you feel something in your gut? Do you want to avoid it because of the pain? And why this is important is because when we talk to people and tell them that your thoughts affect your health, they take it as voodoo science. But it's very clear that just thinking about something can completely change your biology. By thinking about something arousing, you can actually feel aroused and nothing happened. Nobody touched you. Nobody walked by. It was a thought. By thinking about the smell of your favorite food, you know, your favorite grocery store, your favorite restaurant, you can salivate. Your body will change. And think about how quickly that change happens. For certain things, it's instantaneous. Like it, it just starts right away. So now think about the things that you don't have the visceral access to. Meaning that the sensorial change that you just felt, inflammation, hormone shift, neurochemical shift, the things that are going on just like these things just went on, but you don't feel. Does not mean they're not happening. And this is why we wanted to dive into the discussion or even the debate of do your thoughts affect your health? The reality is that your thoughts build your reality. So what you think, what you feel will shift chemical activity in your body, will cause things like inflammation, will release certain neurochemicals, will change your hormones, will change your body's priority in terms of what it thinks it's supposed to be doing at the time and ultimately change the outcome. So it's 100% true that your thoughts will change your outcome and therefore change your health. Your mitochondria, uh, we know it as a energy producer. So it's that powerhouse of the cell that, you know, creates energy as we know it. ATP is that store of energy. You use oxygen and nutrition to create energy, uh, but it does so much more. It's actually a signaling system. So the cells will actually speak to each other uh, and learn from each other 
and understand what you're trying to cope with at any given time. So if you poke yourself on the forehead or anywhere else, every cell in your body instantaneously knows that that happened. Instantaneously. We don't have any piece of equipment that's this sophisticated that man has yet built, uh, but your body knows. Because your mitochondria is signaling from cell to cell to cell, uh, there's also, we've spoken earlier about biophotons bio that sort of are this communication system in the cells that allow information to transfer. What's important is that your mitochondria is responding constantly, responding to your environment, change in temperature, change in smell, you know, uh, but also to your thoughts. It's relying on your thoughts to understand what is currently happening and what are we coping with. And from there, it causes shifts like the feeling you get from arousal or the smell of food or whatever. And so we can get anecdotally into how, you know, your thoughts change your body, but we can also empirically talk about uh, what actually happens at the mitochondria level. It's a very interesting conversation we have actually coming up in a few episodes with a gentleman named Ari Witten, uh, who talks about this in detail. But the import important thing to note here is that we understand why this is happening. So what's going on when you actually think and feel? And this is why not only thought, but emotion is so important. The way you're feeling at any given time signals to your body what the current state is. And given the current state, shifts occur. And given how chronic that state becomes, those shifts become more severe. And this is where, you know, you, you talk about, and I had this in my own family, when my father passed away, my grandmother, who treated my father as her favorite child, he was the oldest, she passed away shortly after. And how many times do you see a, you know, an old couple where grandpa dies and then grandma dies a few months later and there was no previous warning sign. Uh, emotions carry a very severe load, heavy load, when it comes to signaling to the body, what are we coping with? Emotions can signal to the body, it's time to die, which is literally what happened to my grandmother and what happens to all the grandmas or grandpas who no longer have their lifelong partner with them that don't feel the, 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 the meaning of continuing on. It's that deep emotion, that connection that will signal to the body what to do next. And this is why it's so important to understand that what you think and what you feel truly is causing change in your body. It is truly creating your reality. And if you can adjust and cope, and we've spoken earlier about neurochemicals and how people perceive things differently. If you first all understand how you perceive so that you know what changes you need to make, well, then you can all also make the right choices, uh, create the right context for yourself, remove yourself from the wrong context. So you're not burdened by the wrong emotions or the wrong feelings or the wrong thoughts that will lead to negative outcomes, adverse outcomes. Not only that, but replace them with the positive that will get you the great outcomes. So there's a, there's a study that was done um, some time ago about how this transcends even the individual and can actually be inherited genetically. So the effect on your body of thoughts, feelings, trauma can actually be passed down to the next generation. You know, one of the biggest and most horrible events that we learn about in history is the Holocaust that happened in Europe. 
and, and we all know what happened there. You can imagine if you just picture what was going on, being caged, watching your you know your brethren being gassed and being tested on for various you know human experiments the level of stress and trauma that would have been experienced it's it's it you know it's hard to understand what that actually feels like there's studies that have proven that the children of holocaust survivors have a completely different methylation or you know the the what do you call the sort of outcome of trauma in terms of what you can see in the dna which is measured through methylation and other things uh, their profile points to them inheriting the trauma it's measurable it's 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 empirical you can see that they have inherited genes that express differently jewish people that are you know of that descendants that come from holocaust survivors have almost, a, I think it's like a six times greater chance of suffering anxiety or tra trauma. And it's not because of the genes uh, that are wired to do so. We've, we've spoken of these things many times. Uh, it's because of their inability to cope at the genetic expression level. So they're already at the tipping point, right? They're constantly at that threshold where they just needed a little bit to push them over the edge because they've inherited a foundation that's already way too high because of what their ancestors went through. So this is measurable. There's studies about this. Uh, and if you understand that on a macro level, something that that impactful can cause not only yourself, but your children to inherit a shift in biology because of your thoughts and because of your feelings, then what are we doing to ourselves with these constant micro doses of improper and misaligned thoughts? What are we doing to ourselves when we're constantly talking down to ourselves, when we're saying words? when we're putting out to the world language that is not supporting ourselves, when we are thinking about disease in terms of what is coming as opposed to how do I stop it? What are you signaling to your body when you keep thinking cancer, 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 heart disease, heart disease, heart disease? It's in my family. My family has diabetes. What are you signaling to your body with that thought? Versus somebody we had an episode earlier uh, with a young man who if you look at it clinically the data does not explain why he survived his cancer it's one of our earlier episodes uh, it absolutely made no sense several bouts severe and then the side effects of the medication he was on uh, none of it added up when we asked him why did you survive it all came down to his thinking he didn't believe it was possible. And I'm not just talking about positive thinking. He truly didn't believe that not surviving was an option. It never, he never had that feeling that it was possible that this was potentially the end. And so his thinking was so powerful, it allowed his body to do that, what he was signaling to it. We have to keep fighting. We're not done. And that's what his body did. And he statistically should not have survived. It was clear. Every doctor told him the same. In fact, there was doctors that didn't even want to treat him. He had to leave the country and go to the Middle East and pay privately to get work done because they said there's no point. We're just going to put you through stress and pain and trauma trying to help you recover from something that is unrecoverable from. When you ask him the question, why did you survive? It comes down to one thing. It's what he thought. 
he literally until someone asked the question didn't even think it was possible to not survive so very important to understand that this is happening and those micro doses again i go back to this it's very important we're constantly feeding information to ourselves how we're responding and nowadays more than ever since we're so exposed to problems right since we hear so much about mental health issues and about diabetes and about cancers and about depression we start to resonate with those things and you start to see yourself in those profiles and you start to relate and think well this is me now what i understand it explains everything i'm that and i'm that and i'm that and then you accept that's who you are and it manifests and becomes real and as much as words like manifest you know to some people seem flaky or not not scientific we already explained the science on this that it's proven through the mitochondria that and it's proven through genetic inheritance that your thoughts and your emotions affect your biology and therefore your outcome so it's very important to bring in and curate your thoughts take that time to meditate you know calm down uh and reset and realign yourself with your reality and build the reality you want you want in terms of your health but put into the out there whatever you believe in the universe you know the thoughts of what you want and believe in it so hard that it actually becomes true and how many survival stories are rooted in them saying i never gave up i never gave up and how many complex compound clinical cases where they have multiple things going on are rooted in childhood trauma are rooted in things like divorce are rooted in things like uh you know lack of community and lack of uh friendship and love because you're already in a deep poor emotional state that allows these things to very easily compound and the thoughts to be accepted too easily that bad is normal and it's very easy to accept the bad and then so you compound there's multiple conditions multiple problems so not to say that this person wasn't susceptible every chronic disease you we know this you're not born with them you develop them over time there's certain environmental chemical nutrition type triggers that cause them one of those triggers can be your emotions and your thoughts so again very important to harness that and understand how to deal with it so it's very interesting cuz i recently so one of the things i do is i watch a lot of videos on quantum physics and i didn't do this i had no interest in uh you know that level of science up until a few years ago when i started to see the parallels and how similar the thinking of science was to the human body but how different the thinking was in terms of the narrative of where did we come from and who are we and are, are we created are we evolving where like who are we that's the big gap but if you hear what you know uh sort of ancient wisdom and religion is saying and you hear what science is saying they're saying the same thing the difference is did someone create this or did it just kind of happen um but the outcome is the same and when you look at the parallels of there's a lot of ancient text that says that the universe is within you meaning that the level of complexity of what it takes to build the universe is the same as what's inside our bodies and if you truly start to unravel the cell and understand what's happening you find that you find that first of all we are made up of the top four elements that make up the majority of the universe is what we're made of so we're literally made of stardust of un- of the universe we are made of what the stars are made of we're the same material um 
but inside the way we work, if you start to map it out and even look at the synapses of the brain, it starts to look at the soul, looks like the solar system. So why am I saying all this? Because there's something called string theory, really cool quantum physics that I've been looking at and how it explains what I just spoke of. So string, string theory is trying to break down. What are we truly made of? You know, if you ask a sort of high school teacher, they'll tell you we're mostly water. Right. If you ask a, a scientist at a slightly higher level, they'll tell you are mostly empty space. Right. So of the matter that exists, yes, it is mostly water, but of our volume and mass, it's mostly empty space. So our cells are mostly empty space. Um, if you break down what we're made of, there's molecules. Those molecules are broken down into atoms, as you already know. There's neutrons, protons, electrons that are kind of spinning around inside those atoms. You learned this in high school. You take one of those and break them down and they, there's particles that make them up. So that's not the end of it. The atom is not the end. The neutron, proton, electron is not the end. There's particles that make these things up. Then you break down that particle and we're trying to get to the end of what is that finite, that final piece, that building block that creates everything. And string theory points to literally that, that there's an infinite number of, of strings. And these strings are constantly vibrating. So there's a frequency to them. And the belief now is, and these theories are now being proven out, is that if this string theory, that ultimate fin final building block that makes up everything else, is constantly vibrating, constantly emitting a frequency, that frequency is what causes matter to be what it is. When you eat a banana, you eat it with the purpose of thinking that I've now chewed it. I've now created some enzymes that are going to break it down. There's certain nutrients that are in it that I'm going to now absorb into my body. It's a big word that we don't really know what that means. Uh, and I'm now going to transition or uh, derive from that thing and put into my body what I need. And then eventually that nutrition gets to the cell and then you create energy. So if you look at this in terms of string theory, if you truly break it down to the, the, the final building block awake makes that banana, it is a frequency. It is a string, literally all these strings that are within the particles of the neurons and protons, electrons, that make up the atom. Uh, and that string is constantly moving and constantly creating a frequency. That frequency can signal to another atom or cell or however big you want to go, what it is trying to communicate, including nutrition. There's literally science happening today where people are putting new frequency patches on their skin to say, well, if we, if we know that the nutrition of the banana wasn't metabolized, I mean, the process to get us down to that final frequency shift, right, is through this metabolic pathway that we understand. But if ultimately it required taking in the strings or the frequencies of that plant and transitioning them into my own cell so that the frequency signals to my cell that I can now create energy. So there's no actual transfer. It's more communication. Well, then why do I even need to digest it if I could just go straight to the frequency? And there's literal science today where people are building patches that they're putting on their skin and they're able to transfer, what do you call it, energy, nutrition, or the benefit you meant to derive from whatever that thing is. Why is this so important? Because if that's the truth, it explains why 
your thoughts and your emotions are so impactful. It explains why as you change your frequency, because it's already been measured, there's a frequency to certain emotions, you know, there's a, you can actually measure the change. In fact, it's already been measured that when you extract DNA from the cell, put it in a Petri dish, uh, if you, if, if that DNA is experiencing love, pleasure, happiness, it will actually open up. It will actually, the, that spiral will open up. If it's experiencing fra uh, fear, trauma, pain, it will actually close up. Right? So our cells open themselves up to the frequency. Remember, this DNA is no longer in the body. It's only experiencing the frequency. It's no longer experiencing the feeling. It's not in your body anymore. But even just to transfer the frequency causes the DNA to open up or close up based on how light or how dark the emission is, right? So now we know this is also what's happening in our body. When you feel that feeling or you think that thought, you're now communicating to your cells instantaneously and there's a shift literally in your DNA to open up or close down to be able to actually accept or prevent that positive or negative because even your body is constantly fighting and struggling and not wanting to take in the negative because it knows how harmful it is. And so this string theory that, again, you, you can look it up in quantum physics, um, it explains what we're talking about here. And so you start to think then, well, where does this end? Does it end in us? Or if, if we're talking about this as a communication tool where our thoughts and our emotions can drive an outcome, does it, is there a bubble around us that encapsulates it? Or does it actually transmit to other people? And there's a famous saying that, if you want to know who somebody is, look at their five closest friends, right? You, you develop the habits and you become like who you surround yourself by. And part of it is habits and part of it is aligning and becoming sort of frequently frequency matched. So some people doubt this. I used to myself, uh, but we do know that the mitochondria is constantly looking for that signal. It is constantly listening for what signal is being put out there. It is constantly emitting signals to the other cells. We don't know yet that it ends within our own bodies. We do know that this is happening, but we don't know that it ends within our own bodies. Why is there intuition? Why is there feeling? Why is there somebody knowing that you're not feeling well without you saying a word or without even looking at you? Why can you sense that somebody entered the room? So we're starting to learn a lot more about this in physics and the science of the body are kind of coming together. Uh, and I'll give you an amazing example of this. Actually, I was just um, thinking about this in terms of that emission, that manifestation. There's really big people that talk about this. Oprah talks about this. You know, uh, a lot of uh, major healers talk about manifesting and when you think the right thought. And to truly make it happen, you have to believe it. It's not, I wish I could have this. It's like, I'm getting this because that's signaling to your body that it's coming. And that's, to me, the answer on whether or not that signal extends beyond your body because it has to be cast out in order to shift things around you for it to actually happen. So I'll give you an example of this. George Clooney, everybody knows who he is. Uh, George Clooney is considered to be one of the most handsome men on the planet. Um, in his early career, he could not get a role. He literally would walk into every single audition he could find and get rejected every single time he was trying to figure out what was going on i'm i'm good at my craft 
I looked the part. I fit the role that I walked into. Like I should have got it. The guy that got it, it made no sense. Then all of a sudden he started getting every single role. What changed? If you ask him, what he says changed is that he used to walk in with the belief that he needed them, that he's a new actor and he's so lucky to be there uh, and he's struggling and he really, really needs this role. And ultimately communicating to his body that he and the, the sort of space and people around him that he's not worthy of it that it would, be a sh- it would be a stretch for him to actually get it. It would be a surprise and a shock. He then sat back, looked himself in the mirror and said, why not? I was the best looking guy in the room. I was the best actor in the room. If you read the script, I was designed for this part. The way I speak, the way I look, the gait of my step, it's me. That guy shouldn't have got, shouldn't have got it. And he said that they actually need me. They don't realize. He actually sat there one day and realized that this specific part I don't get why they don't understand that they needed me. I was exactly what they needed and I was presented to them and they didn't take me. Then he started to realize this guy also needed me. This guy also needed me. So he started to walk into auditions with the powerful belief. And this wasn't an intentional, it wasn't a manifestation practice. It wasn't a meditation. It was a true shift in belief that it was like a light bulb went off that they, I was actually perfect for that role. I don't understand why they didn't see it. It's their loss. They're going to have a lower quality product because they didn't have me in it. When he started to believe that, he instantly started getting every role. So this sounds crazy. If you haven't studied the science of the body and how signaling works and how our connection to everything around us works and how the fabric of the universe works and how we're connected through energy and how time-space works and how you know uh, quantum physics is now talking about... Uh, being able to sort of bend space and move from one point to the other because it's all one fabric, right? So you're not actually moving um, energy through something. It's interconnected and woven. So it goes back to what I said earlier, that the, the universe is in us. Just like every cell in our body instantly knows what's happening and communicates to the other cells, the universe is the same. And so you start to understand that uh, this signaling that we have, this mitochondrial function, which is just what we know about it, the clear evidence of sort of um, inheritance of genetic shift due to circumstance. Um, it goes beyond that. And there's, there's a lot of evidence of belief causing a shift outside of your body. So imagine being able to harness this power and affect change beyond yourself, the impact of being able to shift your environment. And what that does to your mental health. The impact of being able to shift your peers or your partners and your spouses and what that does for your love and your heart and your longevity. Very important for you to to have a long, healthy life. Love, intimacy are a part of that. You know, the heart has its own brain. Literally, the heart has its own electrical system. It's the only organ in your body that you can remove from your body and will keep pumping and functioning as long as it's within the right environment, because it does not require the brain to tell it to do so. So this, this again, brain in your heart connects to somebody else and keeps you youthful. Uh, if you're feeling the right things, if you're feeding it with love, as opposed to hate and trauma and pain. So the last thing I would say about this is, and this sort of gets out there, but the difference between light and dark, 
positive and negative. Um, and whether you look at this spiritually, religiously, scientifically, uh, a science says that, you know, the Big Bang happened and light separated from dark. There was a split. So it wasn't actually a bang. It was more of a split. And if you read a book by Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking that I was sort of sped through, um, there's a section that talks about how one of the theories is there was an actual split. There was a light and dark and they moved away from each other. And that's why there's a constant force where they're moving away from each other, right? They're propelling each other and the universe is expanding. Um, the same thing is happening within us, which is really important to understand that in your thoughts and in your emotions, if you lean towards light, meaning the positive, the good energy, you will find more of it. If you lean towards dark, that is the path that you then go on and you will find more of it. And that's why you see these shifts of people that, you know, had hit rock bottom, whether it's addiction, mental health, whatever it is that got them somewhere that was very dark. And then something changed. There was either a motivation, there was a support person, uh, there was a, a need that put them in a different direction and they started pursuing light. And they started pursuing goodness and they started pursuing positive. Like I'm just using multiple words because you may see it in different contexts. But ultimately, the thoughts and emotions were in a different direction. They plowed towards that direction. They aggressively moved towards it because they were so far behind the norm in, in, in being good. And I'm talking about themselves. I mean, closeness to good, closest to good energy and positive to positivity. That they quickly recovered and came towards it. And they end up being some of the greatest, highest performers uh, of our world. How many stories you hear of the, you know, the drug addict that is now a marathon runner, you know, that shifted their focus. Um, in fact, I just met with somebody who has that exact same story who now coaches people on how to find light and positivity and communicate positive thoughts and energy into their system to allow them to propel and succeed and do much better. So that's the last thing I would leave you with is in all of what I say, uh, don't be afraid to think of it at a more philosophical level. There's a very literal level we've been talking about. You know, we talked about the science of it. Uh, literally, we know what the mitochondria is doing. So there's no doubt that this is true. We know what the DNA is doing. You can literally look up the science of positive thoughts will literally shift the shape of your DNA. It will open up. Negative thoughts will close it up. This is proven. We know in science that your children were, will inherit trauma from you, but they will also inherit extreme positive. I have what's called warrior genetics, the ability to thrive because my ancestors had to do so. They lived in a period where they had to constantly struggle to be at the top of their game. And so that's why I inherited the genetic expression of I'm constantly striving and thriving because I'm wired to do so. So it's already proven in science now, if you translate that a little more philosophically, which to some might seem to be a stretch, you can be, it can become a reality versus a, you know, once in a, once in a while habit. Why is that important? Because if it becomes second nature where you pursue light and you pursue uh, positivity and you pursue good emotion, you pursue positive thinking, um, it, you you, un, you un, un, encapsulate yourself in it and, and it becomes second nature to also ignore the negative and to remove it and to not think it and to not feel it and to not want it. 
you know, just like the person that goes from eating good, bad food to eating good food. Eventually it becomes something that it's, it's the norm for you. And this is why I think it's also important to think about it at the more philosophical and narrative level of light versus dark and see the world from that perspective, including yourself, including the people around you, including the energy that you're receiving from people and things, including the energy that you emit to people and things and understand that truly not only yourself and what you think and feel, but the people around you, the things you watch, the things that you hear, the words that are spoken, be cognizant of that just like you are of toxic mold, just like you are of preservatives in your, in your food. Because uh, we now truly understand that these types of thoughts will shift your biology, just like we proved in the first minute of this talk today. That shift in your biology will shift your health outcomes. And you ultimately did it by choice. Just like we talk about chemicals and we talk about, you know, what you're doing with your partners and people you're showing to yourself. It is a choice to think and feel a certain way. It is a choice to put yourself into a scenario where other people think and feel a certain way. It is a choice to pick who your top five friends are and to be like them or unlike them in a matter of months. With that, thank you and we'll see you again next time.